I cannot commit to, to just one style because then I instantly feel kind of depleted. So throughout my entire dance career, and I'm, I'm talking about belly dance um, or fusion dance, really, um, I've always done at least two styles at the same time because I feel like that's how I achieve balance. Whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with belly dance, welcome to the Belly Dance Live podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of belly dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited. Today we are talking to amazing Irina Akulenko, a New York City-based performer, teacher, and choreographer with a burning passion for arts of all genres. Since 2001, Irina explores both Egyptian cabaret and American tribal-style ballet dance, as well as Odis and flamenco. Now she enjoys fusing these art forms as well as everything in between. Irina completed successful tours around the world, teaching and performing in so many different countries. She released three successful instructional DVDs with World Dance New York and two instructional series of videos with the popular website howcast.com. Additionally, her performances were featured in the Fantasy Balladance Cult of Myth DVD, Fantasy Balladance Tarot DVD, and she could also be seen on Belly Queen's Balladance New York, the Ultimate Fusion Experience DVD. Irene is one of the principal dancers, instructors, and choreographers with Belly Queen Dance Theatre, as well as choreographer and performer for the project Bella Gaia, and alumni member of Alchemy Dance Theater. While at home in New York, she also directs her student troupe, Chiaroscuro Dance, focusing mainly on classical Indian fusion and tribal style dance. In this interview, we talked about a wide range of Arena's interests, as well as uh, just why she didn't stop on just one dance uh, genre, but explores all in different directions. And of course, she gave a couple of very interesting insights and tips for those of you who may be interested and uh, trying to figure out how to combine your training and exploration of very different uh, dance uh, forms. Of course, we also talked a lot about tribal fusion and how it evolved and what it actually means to Irina. Because any dance form, we have some general description what it is and what is ex- like accepted as a definition of this dance form. But let's be honest, to each of us, it means something different and something personal and individual. So in this interview, Irina was sharing a lot about her approach to fusion dance, to tribal fusion dance, and also to ballet dance too. So many interesting insights and tips about dance exploration, training, dance representation, and everything in between. So let's dive into our conversation right away. Hello, dear Irina. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, how's it going? How are you doing so far? 
Everything is great. Um, hi, Jana. I am so excited to be talking to you today. Mm, I'm very, very excited uh, too. And I actually would love to start uh, uh, from the very beginning on how did your ballet dance journey started? Because I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was by chance that you got involved in ballet dance. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, let me, let me think about that. <laughs> well, I've always been a dancer. Um, I grew up in Ukraine, um, and like most uh, little Eastern European girls, I was involved in all the arts. Um, you know, I was taking uh, ballet, I was in the choir, I was playing the piano, um, but I always was completely enamored with dance. I think my parents were even telling me that I was dancing before I was walking, and I distinctly remember forcing them to watch me dance when I was tiny I would demand that you know their attention when I put on these dance shows at home <laughs> <laughs> so I I've always been a dancer at heart and then um, when my family moved um, immigrated to the United States I was about 11 um, I stopped all of the arts because you know the focus then was to adjust to this completely new world this new lifestyle Um, I moved with a zero knowledge of English. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the gears completely changed to just adapting to this new universe. So I kind of forgot all my um, other passions and I just focused on academics and um, I excelled, but that kind of took all my time. So for a while, I forgot my passion. I forgot how much dance moved me. I was still very much in love with music. But I kind of let dance slip. And then um, the credit to, for belly dance specifically goes to my mom. Hmm. I just don't remember if, um, if like what I'm about to share with you was my first exposure to belly dance because then I realized that maybe I saw a little bit earlier. Um, but in any case, my mom is an incredible uh, person. She is very dynamic. She has tons of hobbies. She's constantly evolving and growing. I find her incredibly, deeply inspiring. Both my parents are very supportive of the arts, but my mom is um, particularly so. And um, she is the kind of person that would randomly go, I want to do this. I want to learn how to do that. Mm. And she would just start doing it. And usually I would be the more practical one and be like, oh, come on, this is, you know, let's not do that. Like, there's enough to do, blah, blah, blah. And so the, one of these random days, my mom was like, I want to learn how to belly dance. Um, and she ordered VHS tapes. <laughs> mm -hmm. So this is how long this was. This was still like VHS tapes. Mm -hmm, uh, and yeah. I believe those were of um, Nina and Zina. I think these, it was the belly dancing twins. Uh -huh. And... Uh, And um, I completely fell in love. I remember watching the tapes and being really mesmerized and taken by the music and um, by the movement. And just I was the one who stuck with it. She did them for a while. We kind of did them at home. But I got the belly dance bug. That was, I think, my first, um, you know, like, taste of the addiction. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, I did those for a while and I was hooked. But this was so long ago and I was still in high school. So which means um, not a lot of time and not a lot of finances. And this is when internet was very, you know, baby beginner uh, of what we can possibly imagine what it is now. 
And um, I would scour the internet for video clips of belly dancers. And there was so little back then. I was trying to find classes, but um, the only studio I could find was really far away from me. It was Serena Studios. I was living in Brooklyn at the time. And if anybody, um, if you don't know New York, Serena Studios was quite high up in Manhattan. So it's a very long commute. And I remember taking a couple of classes there, but just not being able to make it consistently because the distance was impossible. So I found another teacher in my area but really, the beginning was uh, my incredibly uh, <laughs> amazing mom, who mm-hmm. picks up lots of random uh, hobbies, and um, she infected me with that one particularly. I, I took it and I ran with it. It took me in different directions. But I think those tapes and my lovely, lovely mom are the reason why I am belly dancing specifically. <laughs> That's such a cute story. That's so awesome. What do you think uh, specifically captured you in Baladins? Because you had a lot of uh, experience before, like very passionate and different like dance uh, styles. And then suddenly it's literally just a video tape of Baladins and that became your future career. Yeah, no, um, belly dance specifically became my gateway into all these other art forms. Um, it was my gateway back to myself actually because um through it i mean i as you know like uh, ballet is very strict Mm -hmm. it is a very um aggressive art form and you know if you have a slightly incorrect according to that norm body type you won't have a career and um you know if you take breaks you won't have serious aspirations so just me leaving when I left, I, you know, my understanding of dance was through that very Western art form filter. And in that world, I was done, you know. So when I quit dance, then I thought that it was over for me. And I kind of put it out of my mind. Um, I wasn't exposed to any other art forms. I was very much focused on academics. Um, when I was in high school and when I was in university, I actually went to school on a full scholarship and my, the key to keeping all of that was very, very high GPS. So I was kind of really focused on academics. So I wasn't exposing myself to too much dance, but through belly dance, I discovered that it's not too late and that there is so much that can be done. And the music was so addictive that it dragged me into the world of everything but Western dance. Through belly dance, I discovered my love for classical Indian art forms, for flamenco, and through the confidence I got through learning belly dance or just taking those steps into those classes, I got the confidence to go and take classes in all other art forms because it's it's kind of intimidating to go take classes as a, you know, not as a kid like if you're not doing it consistently it's it can be hard to get back into that so um belly dance itself was kind of my gateway back to dance and really back to the desire in me to be a dancer do you know what i mean (laughs) oh yes yes absolutely uh i'm also actually curious to ask you do you did have training in many different dance styles throughout your dance career 
uh, belly dance, uh, tribal fusion, uh, mm-hmm. but those ones kind of related. But then you also had training in Odyssey dance, in flamenco, uh, and possibly other dance forms. How was that uh, journey for you? Was it like you were taking one dance style at a time or did you kind of throw yourself in all of them more or less at the same time? And uh, I'm also asking this from the point of view of a person who may be interested in learning uh, many different dance styles, but uh, they're in the beginning of their journey with all of them. And they don't know, like, oh, should they approach one by one dance style? Or is it possible to learn them all at the same time? So I'm curious, it's a part, uh, question with two parts. Like, first, like, what was mm-hmm. your story? And um, also second part, from the person who has experience of uh, uh, training in different dance genres, Genres, what would you suggest for someone who may be beginners in all of them but kind of want to try and like doesn't know how to approach this stuff ah complicated question yes I like it. <laughs> um, so my dance journey is um, very complex uh, mainly because I have a lot of interests and I've always had a lot of interest in fact I'm kind of ADD um, I cannot commit to to just one style because then I instantly feel kind of depleted. So throughout my entire dance career, and I'm I'm talking about belly dance um, or fusion dance, really, um, I've always done at least two styles at the same time because I feel like that's how I achieve balance. (laughs) But this is me. So um, when I started belly dancing, my first classes were in kind of New York American cabaret style. Um, I found a teacher that was a little bit more convenient uh, located for me, and I was taking classes with her, and I fell in love. It was beautiful. It was really beautiful um, movement, incredible music, and I was really enjoying myself. But I did feel a little bit like an imposter. Like, I felt like I was putting on a persona, and although I really enjoyed it, it didn't feel authentically, deeply, and completely like me. Um, and then at, I think it was about 2005 or so, uh, through various connections, um, I saw Billy Dance Superstars. And of course, I saw uh, Tribal Fusion for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that was when I, I found that feeling of, oh my God, that's, that's, that's it. That's it. And um, that was the style that I found spoke to me on such a deep level that it felt like it completed me. So I instantly started looking for tribal fusion uh, instructors in my area and I I joined the classes, but I still was practicing uh, more traditional belly dance as well, because as soon as I felt like I was jumping into tribal fusion with both feet, it felt a little heavier for me. Like I needed the lightness and the, kind of ethereal feeling that traditional belly dance gave me. So I continued to study both at the same time. That was the beginning of me constantly seeking balance um, in my artistic expression. And I found that when I was doing both is when I felt complete. Anytime I had to do just one for an extended amount of time, something felt off. I felt like I was not, um, you know, I wasn't satisfied. Hmm. So that was my entrance into the belly dance community in New York 
Um, so I was working, um, I, I, and I always ended up kind of joining two different companies. I have almost always worked with at least a duality of productions. And um, they were one of each, you know, kind of, of both styles. And then um, my solo work resulted in me receiving invitations to take part with theatrical productions. And I think through that, I discovered that I don't only have to do different styles, but I have to work on my artistic expression as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so because there's more than just in technique. So I started working on ideas and how to express storytelling through the art. And that's when I felt like, oh, it doesn't have to be limited to just one style. Um I can find that expression by also working on the theatrical parts of it as well. That kind of work led me to study other styles. Um, Odyssey and Flamenco specifically were because I wanted to understand tribal fusion more because tribal fusion, and now um, we're transitioning to a name, transnational fusion. It's known that it's made of um, elements from traditional belly dance, and heavily borrowed from other dance styles like uh, classical Indian, like uh, flamenco, and um, modern American styles, urban styles like breakdance and hip hop. So um, I always like to go to the source. Like I was enjoying the fusion a lot, but I wanted to understand where it was coming from. And then um, I don't remember when, but a while back, maybe 2006 or seven, um, I saw a performance by uh, an Odissi company called the Nitigram. And um, that was another absolutely, uh, you know, out of body experience. What I saw on stage that night was uh, like divinity in human form. It was so deeply moving and so deeply captivating that I, I, I noted to myself that I have to study that one day. And it took me a few years to get to actual classes and especially to the classes with those people I ended up studying with them in India. Um, but it was a long journey, but it was essentially lots of different projects took me to different styles. Uh, the reason why I actually started studying ODC very seriously was because I was invited to be part of one company called Bella Gaia. And they recruited me because they needed a dancer who could do multiple dance styles. Um, Bella Guy is a multimedia production that focuses on um, bringing experience of being in space to those of us who will never go um, away from Earth. It's an incredible production and it requires a representation of many different cultures and many different dance styles. And they needed a dancer who could do belly dance, but also wanted to do a classical Indian fusion. And they asked me if I was interested. They saw my other work. And I was like, absolutely, I am very interested. I will study, I will learn. And my um, random workshops turned into consistent classes so that I could fulfill that particular role. Mm. And that ended up taking me deeply into a DC and it ended up taking me actually to India where I studied with the people who are considered my gurus. And, um, you know, that was my, my reasoning for that. I wanted to take class, but I actually had the opportunity because I need honest and informed. Um, so that's with Odyssey. So I began, um, I, I saw performances that I loved, that I found transfixing, and I've taken some workshops, but it was, again, um, busy schedule. I, I'm involved in a lot of different things always, so it was hard to be committed. But then when I had a reason when I was hired by this company to do that specifically, 
I could throw myself deeply into it. And it, it, I think my study of classical Indian dance um, transformed my, my dance completely. Mm-hmm. How I understand um, movement and how I think about movement has been changed deeply because of Odyssey. And with flamenco, it's always been a passion of mine. I always wanted to learn it. I, I was just always inspired by the passion that you see on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that really charming. There's always a story. I love dance that has meaning. I love dance that has a story. I love dance that is trying to communicate something on a very deep level. And flamenco was always that. Um, it's a dance of uh, people with very complicated history. And you can hear that in the music. You can see that in the dance. So um, it, it always had my attention. And I would throw in classes whenever I could. Um, I haven't studied as in-depth as I wanted to, just because I physically could not squeeze it into my schedule. Um, but it's an art form that informs a lot of my thinking about movements as well. So my story into all of these dance styles resulted um, usually by the opportunities presented by the companies that I was joining. And I was joining those companies because I wanted to explore those opportunities. So I think it's, it was like a, you know, a, a relationship. It goes both ways. Um, one of the ways that I studied a lot of different styles was also by being part of uh, Belly Queen, which is a company here in New York, um, which is known for extremely wide range of styles and we were working on theatrical productions that required me to study Persian dance, to study uh, flamenco, to study hip hop, to study a lot of different styles, to be part of this particular group. Um, So that satisfies me on a very deep level. Like I said, I, I, I need variety and by achieving this variety, I could touch different sides of myself and, um, feel whole. So I would go into all these styles, by both seeking out productions that would allow me to stretch um, and then by really pursuing all those opportunities and pushing myself. Um, so that's, that's me. Um, but for people who are interested in studying those styles who are beginners, um, I would say it's very possible, but you need to be very careful. So for example, classical Indian dance um, requires a lot of, um, attention and a lot of care. Um, the traditional way of learning might be uh, quite severe for not trained dancers. What I, what I mean by that, if you don't have really great awareness of your body, if you don't know how to warm up properly, if you don't know your strengths and your weaknesses, you might find the art form um, quite difficult on the body. So although there is incredible wealth and so much wisdom in the classical Indian world, they're just starting to approach um, physical safety to the way how we think of it in the West. It's just different there. So mm-hmm. I've, just, I've seen some warm-ups that are so intense that some dancers who are not prepared for it could get hurt. So I strongly advise everybody studies some form of classical Indian dance because the level of wisdom there is just unparalleled. But your responsibility is to keep yourself safe. So sometimes that means that you will have to be a little bit rude 
um, in the classical Indian world, in the Indian world altogether, you do not say no to your teacher. You know, if your teacher goes squat a million times, you squat a million times. But then your knees go out and then you're and you end up with an injury, you know. So um, I was the <laughs> the obnoxious student in class when we'd be doing some warm ups that I was not ready for. I would be like, excuse me, I'm sorry. Can I, you know, you know, and I would be the disobedient student. And I think I got away with a lot of it because uh, they're like, oh, it's, you know, <laughs> so she's just she doesn't know she's rude. Um, but I was keeping myself safe. Um, so. I strongly advise going into the classical Indian world. I just didn't make sh- I would advise that you also learn how to properly prepare your body for strenuous activity. And it's, um, it could be overwhelming. Um, in the classical Indian world, you learn the rhythms, you learn the mudras, your whole body moves, your eyes, your head, your feet, um, your legs. There are so many things to learn. It's, an incredible abundance of information. But then at the same time, you you know, it can be overwhelming. You could think that it's the only thing that can, it can take over your life. That's what I mean. Mm. Um, It can absolutely take over your life. It is so, so big um, that you just have to be careful to pace yourself. Um, And if it sucks you into that universe, then it's amazing and you will stay there and you'll be very happy, but it can be overwhelming. Um, So I've always, I've been dancing in Odyssey uh, for quite a while and I'm still a baby beginner. I consider myself a baby beginner dancer. I focus on the styles of movement and techniques that um, inform my dance as a full artist, but I never aspire to be a pure ODC dancer because to do that, I have to dedicate my life to it entirely and completely. Mm. Uh, The same thing with flamenco, Um, the footwork, and that's actually for both dance styles, something that we don't have in belly dance is complex and intricate footwork. Both ODC and flamenco use the footwork to connect to the music on a very deep level and their articulations and um, the physicality of it is incre- incredibly strenuous. So, um, you know, belly dance allows us to move across the floor in a graceful way and improvise really quickly. Um, there's ways to kind of get moving really fast. Um, Odyssey is very codified and very um, strict in certain ways until you learn your basic vocabulary, which is um, a totality of 20 steps and um, choke and in tripangi these are home-based positions you don't really go anywhere you start to learn choreographies but it's not a dance that is going to let you express yourself freely you're living within a very specific codified universe um, and it's freeing because you learn how to move your body in a very interesting and logical and beautiful and powerful way but there isn't a lot of personality there. You're not there to explore your personal needs. You're there to explore something that is bigger than yourself, something that is uh, with a deep and long tradition. It will inform you in a different way. It will feed your soul, but it isn't a dance that is going to let you, you know, express yourself. Mm. Um, And the flamenco is different, um, but the power of flamenco is predominantly in the footwork. So unless you're ready to spend, you know, hundreds of hours to uh, get the foot technique, you are not going to progress very far. You know, the upper body movement that I find so intoxicating, it is more of an afterthought. 
the focus, and um, if you're studying the art form correctly, is the footwork. So it depends. It depends. What is your desire? Are you seeking to learn the powerful image, or are you trying to become a powerful flamenco dancer or a, a you know ethereal DC dancer? For me, I was inspired by aesthetic of both, but I didn't ever aspire to be a professional flamenco dancer or professional Odissi dancer. What I wanted to capture were the essences of those art forms. What is it that makes Odissi look the way it does? What makes flamenco look the way it does? Where does that passion come from and how is it framed within the body? The one I was seeking um, were those frames. So I studied enough where I could understand that. And I would continue studying, you know, on and off as much as I could. But it wasn't a full on um, deep dive because each of those art forms requires complete and utter dedication. Hmm. So if you're a beginner, if you're a beginner in those art forms, um, you have to be just clear. What is it that you're seeking there? Do you want to become a flamenco dancer? Do you want to become an Odissi dancer? Because both of those art forms will require um, a very, very deep level of commitment. Mm. Very, very big. So if you are just seeking an understanding of, um, you know, a bigger shape and aura of it, you can satisfy that by taking some classes, but just make sure never to call yourself a serious flamenco dancer, a serious ABC dancer. Mm. <laughs> it's complicated. It's, yeah. And how about uh, uh, tribal fusion for you too? Uh, because it is very like close by the technique for with like some elements, not really like this ballet dance, but it's still a different like art form these days, especially. So uh, for you, was it uh, something uh, like complementing your ballet dance exploration, or were there any moments maybe with like technique wise that you found, or it was kind of conflicting, and you you had to switch? Uh, even the muscle work or something like that in one dance form and then go to another class and do similar movement but completely engage in like different muscles. I don't know, like I'm not really uh, know much about tribal fusion. That's why I'm curious. Was it more like complementing with ballet dance specifically or conflicting in certain ways? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I found that I had to wear different hats, mm. um, you know, switch there would be a switch in the brain but it's impossible to fight muscle memory so there was definitely a uh an aspect of my studies complementing my fusion um but by the time i was working with odissi and flamenco i was not really doing tribal fusion as is anymore in fact i've kind of shed tribal fusion from my personal uh image. I don't really name myself tribal fusion dancer. Uh, other dancers call me a tribal fusion dancer, but really I consider myself a fusion dancer just because um, tribal fusion um, label is has become such a pot of different things. So, you know, when you say tribal fusion, most dancers think West Coast tribal fusion. They think Rachel Bryce, they think, uh, you know, Marty Love, a very particular, very beautiful aesthetic. But um, that wasn't really what I was practicing. Um, and I've always was trying to find my own voice. I was heavily informed by their movements, but I didn't want to do exactly what they're doing. 
I think that I was always trying to express ideas or explore, um, yeah, I think explore ideas more than embody a dance style. Um, I did that in the very beginning just because, I mean, how you learn, you imitate your teachers, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I had enough vocabulary, I realized that I don't really want to just imitate style. I want to do storytelling. I enjoy thinking about movement. Uh, thinking about dances, I need to be inspired by what I do. And doing just dance for the sake of dance was not inspiring to me. So I studied enough tribal fusion where I felt, um, you know, it informed my body. It freed me to be expressive in my body. Um, the music inspired me. The reason why I clicked so much with Tribal Fusion was because the music I was dancing to was the music that I understood and that I loved. I think that was the reason why um, original traditional belly dance never really fed my soul was because I loved the music, but I couldn't connect to the lyrics of the music, you know, like Egyptian music, Egyptian um, or even Lebanese, Turkish, Turkish songs. I I love the music, but I couldn't feel it in my heart, do you know? So although I, I enjoyed visiting those worlds, I didn't feel it as deeply than if I was dancing to music that, for example, I grew up to. And Tribal Fusion opened up my eyes to the fact that, you know what, I can belly dance to anything. I think that was the biggest gift that Tribal Fusion gave me, was the freedom to understand that I can and I mean, it, it might sound silly, but really it's this kind of unlocking of the brain going, oh yeah, I can, I can do a lot of different things to find my own voice. Hmm. So um, I think that was what the biggest thing that I took away from Tribal Fusion. It was that. Yeah. It's interesting how you just mentioned that Tribal Fusion um give you understanding that you can belly dance to any song and i actually want to step uh, back a little bit and ask you if you can um we briefly of course talked and mentioned but if you can give like uh, some explanation what is actually tribal fusion uh maybe not right now like because it's mixed so much in it but like uh, um Back in years, and you were starting doing a tribal fusion. Uh, what was that, and how was it in relationship to belly dance? So, for someone who, for instance, maybe doing a belly dance, uh, but only heard tribal fusion, or maybe saw a couple of videos, but have no idea what exactly is it, like where it coming from. Like just briefly to give some cues for someone who may be really new to this topic. Yeah. Um, so. What is Tribal Fusion when I started? Um, tribal Fusion when I started was the images that I saw uh, from belly dance superstars. It was dark um, and mysterious and deeply powerful feminine expression. I think that's what it was. Mm. Um, it was this fusion of movements from all these different cultures that somehow created a unanimous image, which to me read as an expression of deeply powerful feminine energy that wasn't there to um, entertain and bring joy. It was there to be. So that's kind of what tribal fusion was in my eyes. 
to me. It was a dance style that, you know, needed no explanation and made no apologies. It was there to be um, just a full expression of the feminine. So, you know, um, there are a lot of different styles of tribal fusion now, and there's a lot of different energies to it. But to me, it was always uh, a dance of the modern woman. And now, I mean, we have all kinds of people dancing as men, and there's a lot of um, people who are, you know, on the different gender uh, spectrum. They kind of they identify differently. But it is a very powerful energetic expression. And um, it was, at the time, claimed by no nation. It felt freeing. It felt... Um, unapologetic Hmm. so it's a beautiful style it was a mixture of a lot of different dance styles taken from inspired by lots of different styles from all over the world and we're um, unpacking this now um, as a collective as a community talking about what uh, you know the word tribal and how that is affecting um, people of color people who we've borrowed these elements from. But ultimately, this art form, this style, what it was at the time when I started was powerful, deeply feminine, and extremely confident art form. Um, I love traditional belly dance, but there's an element of, you know, being the entertainer. You're there to bring joy. You're there to express joy. You are there to kind of after a certain kind of energy this art form tribal fusion specifically was just there if you happen to be there in the audience great but I don't really care that's kind of Mm. (laughs) a bit aloof Um, but there was a power in that and especially a power in that for me as a young woman because you know um, growing up in the western world really growing up anywhere as a woman there are all these restrictions and limitations you have to guard yourself you in the patriarchy so being feminine, uh, being really pretty and smiling and, and blah, 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 all these things that I was never happy with. You always feel limitations as a woman. You always feel like, you know, you have to please someone. You have to fill certain responsibilities. And here's this art form that says, I don't care what you think about me. Admire this incredible energy about me. And that's what it was. Um it's a very powerful art form, and I think that a lot of women gravitate to it because it is unapologetic, because it's, you don't need a partner to perform it. You don't, need to, um, you don't need to put on a smile if you don't want to. You can be in the power that you are as a feminine form. And how about training process? Uh, what is the main... Uh... If to compare the class of traditional ballet dance class and to compare a class of tribal fusion, what is the main focus? Uh, and if it's different or maybe like some significant differences in the, uh, basically in the training process of these two dance forms? Um, it really depends on your teachers, you know, um, like any art form, like any uh, dance school, it really depends on who you study with. I find that, um, you know, both styles focus on technique. Uh, you need to have good technique to, um, to be 
either one of those styles, to perform either one of those styles, but it depends on who you study with, and those teachers value different things. Um, as you know, belly dance and tribal fusion, neither of those arts, um, dance styles really has a codified um, vocabulary. You know, we're still, not, not everyone calls the same movement the same thing. Um, that we, you know, we can, we can see good technique when there's good technique, but we don't, uh, we don't all agree on all the different elements. And that's the challenge of both belly dance and tribal fusion. Like for example, in ODC, there is the perfect shape. We know how to achieve it. It's very geometric. So there is this ease that, you know, you know what you're striving for versus in belly dance, um, you're, I think in belly dance, you're striving to learn the rhythms, you're striving to learn uh, you have your props and, um, you know, the five-part performance. If you're a restaurant worker, if you're performing for a specific type of audience, you know, that's a more traditional way. It's different now. People's attention spans have shrunk so much that you have to grab them really quickly, you know. So that's changing. Um, it's, I think, in belly dance, depending on what kind of belly dancer you want to be, are you working uh, toward commercial work or are you working toward more theatrical performances for a large stage? Those are completely different skills. Those are completely different areas of training. Um, and versus tribal fusion, you know, same questions can be applied. What kind of tribal fusion dancer do you want to be? And it depends on who you study with. And um, it's, it becomes such a complex art form. Um, it's very difficult to define. It's very difficult to narrow down um, what is a good tribal fusion technique, you know? I think in both styles, you focus, and it depends on the teacher, the direction in which you will, get, you will go. Are you looking for artistic expression? Are you looking toward more commercial work? Um, I think they're very similar in the fact that you have to learn your basics and you have to drill your basics. You have to learn how to improvise, but it depends on your goals, both for you and who your instructors are of how you progress. So it's hard to compare the two. I think both are very powerful dance or dance forms that require a lot of dedication, but where you go with them, it really is a personal choice. There's a lot of freedom in that, which is beautiful as well. I mean, this is how we get incredible artists that don't fall neatly into any category. I think both art forms do allow for incredible amount of personal expression, which a lot of other dance forms don't, um, and especially for adults. So I think that is what's really special about both belly dance and tribal fusion belly dance our fusion dance is that we can discover this art form as adults and um, maybe realize dreams that we never knew we had or gave up on. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Uh, you also mentioned about different goals and either uh, leading towards more like theatrical or possibly festival world or commercial world. And in terms of uh, uh, tribal fusion uh, world, specifically like in New York, is there like space for like commercial performance uh, uh, activities there? Like if you abstract, of course, from current quarantines. <laughs> and everything mm -hmm. else but uh, is there a space there because in belly dance uh, uh, like uh, 
well, at least all our listeners who are listening to Biden's Life podcast, uh, like quite clearly realize, yes, of course, there is a space for commercial work, even in your own local cities as a ballet dancer. But how about in the world of uh, uh, like tribal fusion dance? Uh, very little. In New York, very, very little. So unfortunately, over the last um, decade and decade and a half, um, we've seen a huge decline of venues that were kind of hosting this type of work. Um, to begin with, there was not a lot of places. Uh, certain dancers, tribal fusion dancers, were able to seek out uh, kind of cafes and uh, various f fusion food restaurants in various areas to create these venues. But it's certainly not, um, there were not a lot to begin with, just a few, um, not as many as, you know, for uh, traditional belly dance there, you know, there's hookah bars and, and all kinds of, you know, Moroccan food places that would easily host a, a regular belly dancer. But tribal fusion dancers had to create their own venues. Um, there were not a lot, and most of them are gone by now. Um, it's definitely a lot harder to to sell this. You know, it's it's a weird package. Not a lot of people understand what we're selling. Um, there are events hosted by other dancers, so it's definitely not. Maybe I, you know, I don't participate in the commercial world as much, so I could be wrong on this. But um, for the extent of my knowledge, tribal fusion performances would happen only if tribal fusion dancers made it happen. Mm, <laughs> you I know? see. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I was just curious. So so. It, uh -huh. Yeah, and so it's predominantly, you know, if a dancer was running a continuous, she would, you know, she just had a contract with a space and say, I'm going to curate an event here every, you know, every Wednesday or whatever. And then we would have an opportunity for that style to be represented. But for the most part, um, it was, it's quite rare and it's usually a traditional belly dance. Mm -hmm. So yeah, tribal fusion usually would end up on stages of um, events curated by, curated by other tribal fusion dancers or big theatrical productions. Mm. I see. And this is quite different, uh, just to finish up, uh -huh, this is sure. quite different than, in, I, I believe, in San Francisco, where, you know, the style kind of originated from the, well, the, not predominant, but I know there were a lot more gigs for fusion dancers. Mm. I know that um, there, there was definitely, I mean, there's a traditional belly dance scene, a very strong scene there as well. But I know there were tribal fusion dancers who would do gigs as well that were doing that style. And I think that is just the, the music scene is quite strong in San Francisco. Um, so there were different kind of opportunities um, versus New York is just a different scene. Um, mm -hmm. So there were not as many opportunities for tribal fusion dancers specifically in the restaurant world. Mm. Well, I guess it's also uh, depends on what the general audience is used to be exposed to and if they are more familiar. Like if you mentioned that uh, in one city is like more uh, developed like music scene that may be somehow related mm -hmm. to what uh can be complemented with this dance style so people are more open to something uh unusual from their point of view like uh, because ballet dance at least everyone maybe maybe general people they don't see uh never saw ballet dance but at least they know more or less <laughs> what it is like the word ballet the word ballet dance they heard <laughs> somewhere <laughs> Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree mm -hmm. completely. Yeah, there's a lot of reaction from tribal fusion. It's usually, 
oh my god what is that i like it but what is that so yeah there's definitely you know there's an easier contract kind of an understanding between the audience and traditional belly dance just because it does appear in, in the popular you know world a, a lot more than tribal fusion mm. um yeah, it, there's definitely an ease of entrance into the popular culture for belly dance versus tribal fusion. Although there is a lot of power in the fact that tribal fusion often uses very current music. So there is an instant connection to the audience because um, we might be using music. Well, it depends on the audience as well. Are you using, who is watching? You know, context is important. So if it's a Western audience, um, they might gravitate toward tribal fusion just because a lot of times tribal fusion dancers use Western influenced music, you know. Mm-hmm. It's also very interesting to uh, take a look at your like fusion creations, uh, dance creations. And uh, one thing that caught my attention was that in the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that when you were all studying just uh, ballad dance, traditional ballad dance, you kind of felt it's not truly yours and that you had to put on a persona which you enjoyed but it didn't feel like like authentically yours uh, at that point and then it changed and you opened a new style for yourself such as like tribal fusion but then if you're looking at your fusion work today you work a lot with different characters ideas with different storytellings uh, etc and it kind of feels that every dance you are a persona on stage (laughs) so how did that change for you (laughs) um i think that there was a shift um i think that you know uh, you kind of as an artist you evolve and um, you go through different phases and you explore. And in the beginning, I was learning how to move. I was learning how to get in touch with my body to do what I want to do. I was exploring different dance styles and looking for vocabulary and looking for tools. I think belly dance was my way to get into um, all kinds of dance styles and acquire a, a toolbox, you know? And then I always gravitate towards storytelling. Um, I think there is just so much. I, I, I always have a story when I make my art. When I make my dances, I, I need to have an idea and a conversation. Something needs to happen. I very rarely make dance for the sake of just beauty of movement. And I find that deeply satisfying. And um, there was a conscious movement toward that um, over the last, well, quite a few years that I don't want to make <clears throat> just beautiful dances. I need to have a story for myself. And every opportunity I have, I explore something different. I think that we are all looking for our own personal truth. And I think that another thing that dance is, is kind of remarkable, it lets us live many different lives. If you dive into a particular idea and you live in it, you think about it, you develop it, and you perform it, it's almost like an entire experience. So if there is a thing you want to kind of live through without committing yourself in real life, shall we say, um, why don't you explore that idea through dance? And that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, A lot of the work that I've been doing recently can be called belly dance it's a lot of it is kind of uh, 
belly dance uh, supported <laughs> movement mm-hmm. with lots of other things because I'm not focused on the style. I'm focused on what is it that I'm exploring? What is it that I want to say? And I've been lucky enough to be, be able to work in theatrical settings for my personal work because I also do commercial work, which requires me to put on a persona and the big productions that I work with. But in my solo art, I always look for opportunities to explore ideas. Um, that's a conscious choice. When I teach, I still communicate that, but a lot of times dancers just want to learn, you know, a pretty choreography. So sometimes I give up on explaining the logic, but literally every single piece that is out there, except for a few live improvisational pieces where my job there is to just kind of channel the music, um, there is ideas. There are very logical progressions and very logical concepts that I'm exploring. And that reflects in the costuming, in the music choices, in the lighting. I make all my costuming. I often edit a lot of my music. I have, uh, I, I'm constantly on a hunt for music that it has elements that could be used in lots of different settings. So um, I, I'm seeking things that I want to express. I'm looking for ideas that I want to kind of live out and let go. Uh, performance is a cathartic message being sent out into the universe, and I can move on to something else. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's one of those one of the hardest things. Like sometimes the easiest and the hardest thing is this idea that we need to uh, make sure we can tell something through our dance, and uh, mm-hmm. it's obvious on one hand and for many dancers once they feel it like it's so easy to like uh dance and have ideas and inspiration but it's also tricky and why i said it's the hardest one because it's the easiest one to lose then we fall into trap and just focus on visually how it looks like is it looks mm-hmm. beautiful is the movement is nice technique polished but then we lose that idea of Uh, do we tell any message through the dance and it doesn't need Mm -hmm. to be sometimes like direct message it's just the message um even like uh energetic (laughs) message that it's not necessarily a literal storytelling or anything like that but something to make people Mm -hmm. feel yeah absolutely yeah it's it's an experience and um i mean i'm privileged where i i i can afford myself to you know do things that Um, And I mean, I'm taking risks as well, and I I want to be taking even more of a risk in my performances where I focus on really the idea so exclusively that the aesthetic definitely goes out the window. I mean, the last piece I did, um, my dancers and I were essentially, uh, the piece was inspired in part by Butoh, so we had no makeup, we were whited out completely. I mean, nobody looks good when you're like toss a whole bunch of flour on your face. (laughs) We look like ghosts and in an awful awful way but the eerie feeling that we created was exactly what I wanted to explore there's so it's it is definitely a conversation it's work that isn't for everybody and it's work that you know I'm privileged to be able to do I am not going to take this into a belly dance festival you know that's not going to land well so it's all about context and um, so I'm choosing to work on things that are more abstract 
But like I said, I'm extremely ADD. So every time I'm working on something very abstract, at the very same time, I also put on a very beautiful belly dance costume when I go perform traditional belly dance in a large production, um, mm. because that's how I find balance. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice way. <laughs> I also know that uh, you did a degree in um, political science, focusing on uh, women issues and uh, visual arts. Was your choice uh, of a university degree already inspired by some of your dance activities or they just uh, logically complemented each other and just by coincidence happened that even in your dance you're still exploring the limitations of uh, uh, women in daily life? <laughs> oh, this... so. <laughs> Oh, it's just, again, another reflection of, of my inability to commit. Um, <laughs> so when I started uh, university, I was just um, beginning my love affair with belly dance. And in my initial focus, my initial de declared degree was architecture. Mm. Um, I <laughs> wanted to be an architect for a very long time. I am mesmerized and transfixed with how space can change us how it influences us and how we influence space. It's, um, it's a whole other universe of thinking about life, universe, and everything. <laughs> Within my first semester as an architect, it became very clear that it's either architecture or everything else. Hmm. Architecture is a, an incredibly demanding um, degree, uh, focus. And you're just in the lab all the time. And it, it wasn't satisfying me. I was longing to dance. That's when the itch was really very strong in the very beginning. I had incredible professors and all other um, topics. And one particular one really blew me away, my political science professor. His passion really spoke to all the things that I was yearning to understand. So I ended up switching my major because of him, because he was helping me find answers for the things that made me incredibly furious about life, universe, and everything. <laughs> so that, that led me to political science degree. Um, I, I read the news every day, and I am careful not to rip my hair out, <laughs> uh, because the world is falling apart. And we don't learn our lessons, unfortunately. People don't know history enough. Um, so my degree is a reflection of my personal politics, of my personal understanding. Um, women's studies also. It's just the injustices that I always felt and that I always witnessed and I couldn't make sense of the world. I needed to study it to try to understand. I studied enough to understand that really nothing is simple and everything is complex and we are in a very a very difficult place. But I also feel like we're at a precipice of change right now. So I'm hoping that maybe I will be able to witness some significant shifts. Um, so my degrees and my art, they just all are a reflection of me in different aspects. It's just that through dance, I can physically experience the ideas that I am otherwise reading about in the papers in a more artistic form. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, I was just curious because uh, uh, many ballet dancers later uh, in their, like after they started their ballet dance exploration, decide to go to universities and uh, also uh, not necessarily 
in dense degree, but in other like uh, social science or political science and uh, mm-hmm. uh, still through the lens of dance explore uh, other uh, issues that we encounter on a daily basis. So I was also curious like uh, for you how, because uh you also were focused on women's issues and like visual arts like uh, together so was the ballet dance <laughs> had did yeah. it had anything to do with it too <laughs> uh, no, but now we was, just know that it pushed yeah. you like you didn't want to give it give up on it <laughs> partially yeah essentially yeah it was just um it, it's just kind of understanding of learning about life learning about everything i always feel like i i i will never learn enough I will never know all the things that I want to learn. Um, and just political science is a really wonderful way to look at the world and try to understand how the world is the way it is. Why are we in the conflicts that we are? I think that it's it's important to understand the context of everything. Um, and especially with dance, dance is, is a reflection of the people. And, um, you know, learning history learning art is how you understand people how you understand the world in its totality and you can see your place within it and then you can understand what can you do to hopefully positively influence it i always had an obsession with art in terms of um, art history and if i had many more lives i would also be a musician i would be a singer and i would be an artist <laughs> mm-hmm. i drew when i was very little i was obsessed with that and i absolutely love art it um heavily influences my aesthetic choices it informs how i approach um costume making i like i make all my costumes and design um a lot of different things and i if i could i would do that as well i just you know there's only so many hours in the day <laughs> So it's my degrees are just a reflection of all my interests and I only wish I could do more. And um, I eventually, I feel like I probably will go back to something. And if I'm angry enough, I might end up going back into political science and go into social work or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's just, you know, it's just choosing is hard. There's so many wonderful things that can be done. But I always felt like it's important to understand the context of the world you're living in. So I, I always try to be informed and um, not live in my bubble, mm, you know, because yeah. there is a dance bubble. There is a beautiful bubble we create for ourselves. And um, now, right now, I, I actually am really loving seeing how much uh, political expression is entering our dance world, especially Middle Eastern dance world, because um, as white dancers, we have a responsibility to uphold the culture that we're taking these elements from. And um, it's time for change. It's time for the dialogue. <clears throat> and I'm excited to be able to witness that now. Mm. Yeah, we're definitely at a very challenging times right now. But it's one of those, uh, I guess, switching points that uh, may open many new doors in the future. But sometimes it's very tough to go through this transition. Like in the, Absolutely. Being in the Growing process. Pain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's also, I feel like it's very powerful because I remember this kind of language being used, like talking about, uh, you know, um, talking about essentially colonialism and uh, that kind of behavior within the context of everything else and then looking at the dance world. And this was, you know, in like 2004, 2005 when I was in school um, and then wondering why don't we talk about that then? 
and not really, you know, not seeing that conversation happen, but now it's happening. So I think it's incredibly exciting. There's definitely growing pains. There's definitely going to be uncomfortable conversations. But I feel like that is happening in all aspects of life. Um, globalization, um, the fact that Internet is everywhere, and now you can't hide if you're far away and doing something wrong. Eventually it will come out and people will see. It's, it's a beautiful place. I think we're coming to a place of transparency and deep learning. It will definitely be painful, but I think it's a, it's a beautiful place because I think we're going to transform collectively. It mm. just, it's going to be hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, looking forward uh, to once we, uh, let's say, cross the bridge <laughs> and do the, the tough, uh, to us, tough swimming ride. Uh, well, in any case, uh, Thank you so much for finding time uh, to spend with us on the podcast and share about your uh, dance journey and your dance experience uh, and uh, being here today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. <laughs> My absolute pleasure. It's been a treat. Thank you for asking me so many questions about what I'm doing <laughs> oh thank you for for answering them and I know I, I got a couple of tough questions for you <laughs> um, before I ask our final traditional question of the podcast I would love to ask you where can our listeners find you if you have any favorite social media or anything like that as well as if there are any projects going on or upcoming ones that you would like to share with people maybe you're doing some online classes that uh, anyone around the world can take now so if you can share all this with us we would be very happy to hear it <laughs> Yeah, um, I do have a website, uh, danceirena.com, uh, which is not as updated as it should be, but I'm working on it. <laughs> but um, you can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram. It's some combination of my full name, Irina Akilenko, and somewhere within there, there's dancers. So if you just search for Irina Akilenko, you'll be able to find me. And um, yeah, I, like many others, am offering online classes and I am just really so happy that I can do this. Um, I can reach so many people that I normally would just see once or twice a year on some festival somewhere. So that's the um, silver lining for this whole COVID situation that we can connect, um, you know, with just a click of a button. So I am teaching online classes and I have lots of different offerings and I change that depending on who is interested in what. Um, so yeah, it's, it's classes um, for now. Uh, COVID has grounded all my touring. Um, I work with uh, two main professional companies, one of which is on tour quite a lot. And right now we're grounded for obvious reasons. And um, so it's been interesting to shift gears to focus just on instruction. But I've started to really focus um, on providing opportunities for performances as well. So a lot of my workshops are um, performance opportunities as well, where I teach a choreography and the dancers get to record themselves. And then we create a beautiful collage of this work together. Mm -hmm. So I've been really enjoying doing that. And it, it leads to a bit more personal coaching where I get to kind of give feedback. I love coaching. I love giving constructive feedback. And um, kind of helping dancers evolve into whatever it is that they're interested in into moving into. 
So this has been a really exciting opportunity to develop personal connections and foster growth and um, experiment and grow and have fun together. So that's been kind of through my various Zoom offerings. Those tend to be on the weekends at a time that is accessible both for uh, United States and Europe. Um, and I do occasional workshops that are accessible for Asia and Australia and New Zealand on Friday evenings as well. Mm, that's awesome. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I do a lot of theatrical productions and projects that everything, of course, obviously at the moment is grounded. So I am itching and uh, praying and visualizing speedy ending to this. But I know that will be in it for a while. <laughs> well, hopefully sooner than uh, than uh, yeah. we are afraid of. <laughs> I know. Don't Let's visualize a quick ending. Prepare for the best. And, yes. Um, yes. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, well, I definitely will put links to your website and social media in the show notes. So for everyone who is listening to us, you know, you can easily find uh, and connect with our guests via links in the description to this uh, podcast. And uh, um, I would love to sum up this uh, interview with our traditional question and usually I ask it just about belly dance but in this case mm -hmm. feel free to interpret it with uh, whichever other dance forms you feel like it, it will apply more although I will say just about belly dance but it also talks about tribal fusion and possibly other dance forms uh, that you feel uh, really related to but the question is what makes you fall in love with belly dance again and again so you keep doing it for so many years. Uh, I think that um, I think that I fall in love with belly dance and dance in general. Um, belly dance, really, because it, it was my gateway. Is that it uh, grants me a connection to myself and to others, and very importantly, to music. Um, I feel like dance connects me to my body, to my physical body, because in the Western world, we really don't use our bodies. We walk around, but that's it. So we really know how to feel, how to manipulate the body very, in, in, a, in an intimate, real, um, full of expression way. No, we don't. So for me, dance and belly dance, connect me to myself, um, both physically and emotionally. It's a tool that helps me explore fantasy and reality. It lets me um, try and characters and live many different lives. It's a release. It's a way to recharge. Um, through dance, I can, um, I can capture time. And when I perform, I connect through dance to others, um, to my colleagues, like the experience of sharing stage on stage um, together. It's, it's a unique experience and I treasure that forever with my colleagues and um, connecting to the musicians. And then through it, I also connect to students um, to see somebody change and come out of their box or come out of their, you know, shell and blossom. It's the biggest honor I can possibly imagine. And then ultimately dance connects me to music. It lets me channel it like physically, um, which I think my biggest love in life actually is music. It's kind of, I don't know if you do this, but like when I listen to really powerful music, I get goosebumps. So mm -hmm. my, 
my goal in life is to channel music and ideas and to physically experience it and dance and belly dance specifically lets me do that. So I feel like dance for me is about connection and all of those elements are the reason why I fall in love with dance and with belly dance specifically because it was my gateway back. It's my home. It's my pathway to all my other personalities, to all my other aspects of creative endeavors. Dance is a connection. And that's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.